The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For you shall come, from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel." Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold of frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. The Gospel of the Lord. All right, well, good morning again. For those who are new with us, my name is Cody Quinn. I'm the pastor of Students and Connections here at One Fellowship, and it's always exciting to bring the message. And before I dive in this morning, let me say one more quick word of prayer. So let's pray. Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you for another opportunity to hear from you. Uh, Father, I pray that my words would be yours and uh, that your words would cut us to the hearts and help us to be more and more like you. It's in your name we pray, amen. Amen. So you can see the title of my sermon today is Disruption, and we'll get to all of that shortly. Um, But growing up, part of my upbringing was an annual ski trip. And my parents started, my brother and I have a brother who's a year and a half older. They they started us young. And so here's a few pictures to show. Uh, I'm in the, the orange toboggan. Uh, beside my dad there. And then here you can see just taking off on the chairlift on my own. So short, the skis are just pointed straight up. Mom would say that she, she, put, a, she put me specifically in a, in a bright orange toboggan so that she could keep up with me on the slopes as she sat in the lodge. And so she'd send me on the chairlift. We'd disappear for a minute or two. And then she'd see us start coming down the mountain. And at that point, it was not a whole lot of this. It was kind of tips down heading straight down. You were small. You weren't going that fast. It felt like I was flying. Um, But so we love skiing and uh, Kelsey grew up skiing as well. And so um, we always try to do that once a year if we can. And luckily for us, we we just got back yesterday from a ski trip with 11 of us from, from church here. And it was a fun time. It was a good time. It was full of a ton of laughter. I wish I could show you guys a lot of photos a lot of videos. Maybe you had to follow us on social to see some of the crazy stuff. Um, but it was a good time. 
Um, I was the lone snowboarder of the trip. The rest of the group was full of skiers, some who had skied uh, a lot in their life and some who it was their first time. And so when we get to Winter Place, we're not really sure, Winter Place, West Virginia, we're not quite sure what to expect from the mountain and from the slopes because it's pretty warm. We get there, some of us are in shorts and t-shirts and we're like, okay, the slopes, this may not be good. And so when we arrive, it, they have 11 slopes open and I don't know exactly how they count, but it was two runs. You had two options to get from where one chairlift that they had running, because you couldn't do the terrain park chairlift, we're not there yet. So you had one chairlift we could go up and you had two kind of ways you could work your way down the mountain. And this kind of proves difficult for beginner skiers because not a whole lot of snow. You have a, a thin layer of like this fake snow, this real pebbly type snow. Um, and then as all the skiers are just skiing on the same two slopes all day, that pushes to the side and you just are left with ice or you're left with big ruts and bumps and stuff like that. And so we spent like three minutes on the beginner slope teaching um, some of our newbies how to do this and the technique. Um, but we decided the best way to learn is just get on the chairlift, point your skis downhill and just see what happens. You know, you got, you got to figure it out or you will figure it out. Um, so for our very own Allie Hyatt, um, the lessons took a little time to take. And so here's her first time down the mountain. Allie's back there if y'all wanna <laughs> say something to her. Um, due to some ice, due to some big ruts, Allie decided because of the threat to her life and limbs um, that the best way to go down the mountain this first trip was to, to do the, the tush scoot. And so she just scooted on down for, for about half the way and then started making her way down. But by the end of the first day, definitely by the end of the second day with some good teaching from some people. Um, here is how her, her ski trip kind of ended and, and went. You hear Dylan yell, she did it. And then you have the rest of us that she's skiing to. And it was awesome to go from sliding down on your bottom to going down without falling. Those was your first time going down without falling is a huge accomplishment. You see, Allie discovered that there's a technique to skiing. There's a way to ski where you can get down the mountain and stay on your skis or the ski trip would be pretty short or at the very least, you'd have a miserable time if you couldn't figure it out. Our walk with Jesus is similar. You see, if we don't learn, if we don't submit, if we don't grow to his technique for flourishing or his way of life, then our life will be at best empty, unfulfilling, maybe even miserable, always searching for the next right thing to satisfy us. And the dangerous part, is we oftentimes fool ourselves into thinking that the current way we live, the current way that we make decisions is the best way of living. 
is the most in tune with Christ and that our current choices and decisions have little impact maybe in our walk with Christ. When in reality, every area of our life, our jobs, families, parenting, spending, investing, vacationing, there's a way of life. There's a technique in which Christ says will lead to our flourishing. And so the question for today is, will you submit to his way of life and his kingship or will you be content with the life you have now? Whatever that is, wherever you are, will you be content with the life you have now? Will you evaluate your way of life according to the way Christ presents to us in scripture? Or will you continue looking elsewhere in our world for answers and direction? Because there's two kingdoms. And this is what we see in our passage today. There's two kingdoms, the kingdom of Christ, the kingdom of this world, and they're both battling it out for our hearts. In our true life, our most meaningful life, our most joy-filled life can only be found in life with Jesus as king. But here's the reality. If Jesus is king, and that's what we believe to be true through scriptures, if Jesus is king, then that presents a danger to the current way of life. That presents a danger to our current way of living. Some things may need to change. Some hurts may need to be forgiven. Spending, we may need to shift. Time, we may need to manage differently. And people, we may need to love better. King Jesus is a threat to our way of living. But this is a good thing because he offers our best way of living. So here's the big idea for our passage today. Jesus wants to disrupt our lives to bring us true life in him. And again, our true life, our most meaningful life, our most joy-filled life can only be found with Jesus as king. So that's what our scripture presents, two worlds at war. And what we have to come to ask ourselves is to which king and to which kingdom do we desire? And at what lengths have we gone to preserve and protect our current way of life rather than walking in the way of Jesus more and more and more. So let's walk through our passage. Verse one and two pick up this way. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. So let's set some context to where we are today. In regards to the church calendar, we are in Epiphany Sunday. Basically, that just means it's the last day of the Christmas season in the church calendar. And historically, uh, pastors and priests will talk about those, the wise men. And so who are these wise men? Well, to start off, we're not sure exactly where they are from. We're not sure exactly how many there were, or exactly when they came to visit Jesus, even though our tradition and our songs tell us certain things. One thing that it tells us is that there were three. We, we really don't know how many there were. Likely it was a bigger group, um, but there were three gifts. And so that's where we get the number of three wise men. 
They did come from the east, likely it was Babylon or Persia. And later we read in the passage that they went into the house to see baby Jesus. And so if in your manger scene, you have wise men there, it's a little off potentially from what we read in scripture because they go into a house to see Jesus. So we know Jesus has at least a little older, um, but we do know from further in scripture that he's under two. And so he's still um, teeny tiny. Um, We also know from these wise men that they're smart. They're intellectual, they're smart people. They were astrologers in that day and they're wealthy considering this occupation and the gifts that they bring in. So here's the characters of our story. We have um, probably three, if not more, well-respected, smart and wealthy foreigners who worshiped other gods, journeying to find the newly born king of the Jews. They see a star that leads them to the city of Bethlehem. Well, how did these foreigners who worship other gods know to follow this star and know to come and worship this new king? If you go back to the book of Daniel in scripture, we see that Daniel, because of God's gifting, was able to interpret signs and dreams. And so Daniel was promoted to a high place at that time. And so these wise men would have known who Daniel was. They would have read what Daniel had written. They would have studied his writings. And so these wise men who know about this new king are journeying all this way to find him. And the first place this star takes them is to Bethlehem, Judea, and in front of the current king, King Herod. We should start to feel a tension here in this passage. Foreigners coming to worship a new king to the current king. And if you know anything about history and Herod, and if you just read a few more verses here, you see Herod was not a kind guy. This should cause tension. This is where we start to see the two kingdoms, the two kings colliding. So we'll see how they respond. Verse three picks up this way. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem was with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ or Messiah was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel." Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. You see, Jesus is a direct challenge to King Herod's throne or to his kingship. At least King Herod thinks so. And this clearly troubles him. And so he calls in his team of priests and these chief priests to say, okay, confirm what these guys are telling me and then tell me more. Tell me specifics. Where is this new king at? So we see here, Herod starts to hatch a plan. He starts to deliberate a plan. He says, he pulls the wise men in close in in secret and he says, hey, go and find this new king. And when you find him, tell me. And what we know as we read a little further is that King Herod does not want to worship Jesus. But we're starting to see how people respond to this news. 
We see the wise men start, starting their journey. They're on their journey. We see King Herod starting to make some moves here. But we also see some other people. We see the chief priests and how they are responding to this news. Herod's chief priests clearly know that the Messiah, the Savior, this new king, is born. That Jesus is here, yet they've clearly done nothing with that information. They've done nothing with those facts. Maybe for us, maybe for you, you don't think you're rebelling against Christ and his kingdom, but here we see that one way of rebelling or living for the worldly kingdom is to sit idle in our faith, to go through the motions. These guys are chief priests. They know the word. They go to the temple. They know of God, yet they don't do anything with that information. What are you doing with what you know about faith? You don't have to know everything, but with what you know, how is that impacting your life? If you're like these chief priests just sitting idle with this information in your life isn't different because of it, you and I may be living more for the worldly kingdom than we realize. I may be living more for the worldly kingdom than I realize. So now let's see how our wise men and King Herod progress in their um, actions here. Verse nine picks up. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy and going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Skipping down to verse 16, it says, Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, them going their own way back and not telling him where Jesus was, he became furious. And he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. And so in these last few verses of our passage, we see that the wise men start their journey to Jesus, to find this newborn king and the star reappears to guide them to where they need to go. And we see the response here. When they first get there, when they walk into the house, the first thing they do is they fall and they worship him. They fall and they worship him. J.C. Ryle says this, we read of no greater faith than this in the whole of the Bible. And that's a big statement. We read of no greater faith than this in the whole of the Bible. And I believe he says that because these wise men had everything. They were intelligent, they were smart, they were wise, they were wealthy. They knew they were, they had everything and they left it. They had other gods they were serving. They left them and fell down and worshiped Jesus. How hard is it for us to leave our things and our beliefs to fall into a new way of life? Jesus is calling us to a new way of life. He is calling us to fall down in worship. After they fell down in worship, they offered gifts to Jesus and to the family. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold 
We know what gold is, representing royalty, representing this baby is born to be a king. And we see all these gifts are foreshadowing to who Jesus is and who he will be. Frankincense was this special incense that was used uh, by priests in the temple. So we see it's gonna be a priestly, this is a priestly gift. And then myrrh, which is a burial spice. All these gifts point us to Jesus's life. He's gonna be a priestly king who comes to lay down his life for the sake of his people. You have two kings, two kingdoms. One who's laying his life down, and then in verse 16, we see one king and one kingdom that is operating differently. Verse 16 says that Herod hatched the plan. Hey, Jesus is gonna be in there somewhere. This new king is gonna be in there somewhere. All male children under two, get rid of them. Kill them. That's the way of the world. You see, the kingdom of the world has a sneaky way of turning us into monsters, turning us into people that we don't recognize. And if we're not careful, the same will happen to us. Our hearts poison us from the inside out, and we begin to live in a way that will ultimately destroy ourselves, our families, and those around us. Maybe not to the same extent as Herod, But through busy schedules, misaligned priorities and selfishness, we lead lives with the same traits as Herod and the kingdom of the world. And so now we have a chance to respond. We have two kingdoms and Jesus wants to disrupt our lives. And that's a great thing because he wants to help us to find our true life. And so question, how are you going to respond? How are you daily responding to this call to live in this kingdom under this King Jesus? Are you responding by holding tight to the way you're currently living like Herod? Or are you willing to actively align and analyze your life to the way of Christ like the wise men? We see two kings and kingdoms pitted against themselves, one kingdom of the kingdom of Christ and the kingdom of the world, the kingdom of the world that's filled with envy, jealousy, hatred, and ultimately emptiness. And then this way of Jesus, which is filled with humility, purpose, and true joy. God sending his son, Jesus the king, leaving all of his heavenly royalty to be born as a baby, to give us a way to live with him with a life filled with joy, compassion, and purpose, the story of the wise men teaches that it's not just the insiders who's invited into this, that everyone is invited, the wealthy and the intelligent foreigners. Elsewhere in scripture, we see it's the prostitute, the widow, the dad with a sick child, kings, tax collectors, fishermen, young and old, everyone is invited to this kingdom. Christ came to save, not to condemn. And as we recognize our place in this kingdom, he gives us a way of life to follow. A result of our faith in him, not a prerequisite, a result. Check the wise men. They were foreigners serving other gods, but Christ made room for them before they had ever made room for him. Christ welcomed them in and they chose worship. They chose to leave what they knew to worship this new king. 
and his way of life leads to our flourishing and to his glory. The way of the world, as we see with King Herod, leads to bitterness and discontentment. For the wise men, the decision was easy. They identified the new king. They identified he had been born. They identified he was here, that the promised savior had come and they left all to live for and to worship this new king. And just as he welcomed the wise men, just as Jesus welcomes in the wise men, he's welcoming in all of us today. So here's the the final question. What are we unwilling to let go of to fully walk in the life Christ offers? Herod's unwilling to let go of power, prestige. He's unwilling to let go of his way of life. What are we, what are you, what have you been unwilling to let go of in order to fully walk in the life Christ offers? Will you let go of past hurt so that you can live in the joy that Christ offers? Will you let go of comparing your life to others so that you can live in the freedom of Christ? Will you let go of some material possessions so that you can live in the peace that Christ offers? Will you take your life And will you try to match it with the way of life that Christ offers? If you do, you'll come to realize that you've been missing out all along. The way of Christ is a much lighter and a much more freeing and a much better way of life than anything this world has to offer. Just as Jesus disrupted their way of life in his time, he's disrupting our way of life today. And what what we know from the life, from the rest of scripture is that his life is better. Our world and our culture makes a lot of promises that it cannot keep. And oftentimes we go to crazy lengths holding on to the way of the world that we love, to the way of the world that we know. But Jesus wants to disrupt your way of life so you can find true life in him. He wants to disrupt. The story of the wise men teaches that The kingdom of Jesus is meant for all. All are invited in. It challenges our current way of living, no matter where we are in life. And it teaches us that he's a king that's worth following with a kingdom unlike any other. So my encouragement is to keep coming to church. Keep reading your Bible or start reading your Bible. Find some wise biblical people to learn from in order to grow and to learn more about Jesus and his way of life and how your life should maybe shift here and shift here and shift here. As you learn and grow in his instruction, you'll go from scooching down the mountain on your tush, like Allie, to walking through life with a new strut, a new walk, a new perspective, a new and a fresh purpose, a new and a fresh joy that can only be found in Christ and in his kingdom. And now it's a process. It doesn't happen overnight, but it starts with the decision to fall on your knees and to worship him as king, just as the wise men made. So let him disrupt. Let him disrupt. Let his way of life change the things in your daily walk. Only then will we find true life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you came to this world, that you um, have provided a way for us to know you and for us to live with you. 
this world would be at the least wild without you. And God, you have come to provide us a way to flourish, a way to live our best life, a way that uh, this world, this culture, the things of this life, they can't provide without you. So God, I pray that us in this room can be like the wise men. We can look at our life. We can look at what we believe. We can look at how we live. We can, we can analyze it. We can learn from it. And we say, hey, Jesus, you're calling me to live this way. You're calling me to shift my views in this way. You're calling me to shift how I spend. You're calling me to shift how I spend my time. You're calling me to shift in this way. God, I pray that you would disrupt. Disrupt so that we know where we need to switch some things up because you have our true life out there. You have our best intentions in mind. So God, I pray that all of us in this room would choose you, would fall at, fall on our knees and to worship you. Father, we pray all this in your name. Amen.